0: Welcome to Room 106, the world of pain into which all new planning information is deposited. I'm John Gagan from Planning Magazine. Following last week's episode that looked at the new National Planning Policy Framework, today we're going to take a closer look at the biggest news stories of the past week, including a reported further delay to the long-awaited biodiversity net gain requirement. As usual, I'm going to enter Romano 6 to extract the key things that planning professionals need to know about this week. I'm going to be supported by three colleagues who are already ahead of me in there, where they have been getting to grips with the biggest news stories of the past week. Okay, so now I'm going to open the door and step into Romano 6. Here we go. Now I'm inside. As ever, it's full to the brim with paperwork, including government announcements, application decisions, appeal decisions, and lots of other stuff. And here are some of my colleagues. Who's that? Oh, it's our Insight Editor, Samantha Eckford. Hello, Sam. Hello. And here's Alex King, our reporter. Hello, Alex. Hi there. And finally, here's our online editor, Toby Porter. Hello, Toby. Hello. It's lovely to see you all. Alex, I'll turn to you first. You're going to talk about the latest reported delay to the government's long-awaited biodiversity net gain requirement, which will require developers to improve the biodiversity of the site by at least 10% when they get planning permission for a new scheme.
1: What exactly has happened? Last week, we reported that the government had introduced regulations to get its long-awaited biodiversity net gain requirement up and running. But we also covered reports that the start date for the policy had been pushed back again to February due to the time needed for the regulation to get through Parliament. It was due to come in originally in November, right, the requirement, and then it was pushed back to January? Yes, that's right. Okay, so what were these regulations and when were they laid before Parliament? So last Monday, on the 8th of January, the House of Commons delegated legislation committee debated two statutory instruments which would help enact the BNG requirement. Introducing the draft regulations, Parliamentary Under-Secretary of State for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, Rebecca Powell, said that they were part of a package of regulations that would work together to introduce the new framework for mandatory BNG. The first set of regulations made changes to the Town and Country Planning Act of 1990, consisting of technical amendments to ensure that the provisions of the biodiversity net gain in the 1990 legislation work. The second set of regulations made provision for the imposition of a financial penalty and the payment of fees relating to applications to the proposed National Register of BNG sites, as well as providing for fees to be charged for different applications to the Register. The penalties of up to £5,000 for the submission of incorrect information would encourage compliance, deter individuals from submitting incorrect information, and remove illicit financial benefit, Powell explained. The committee agreed to the draft regulations, and according to Powell, once they were approved by both houses, the government would then lay the rest of the BNG regulations before Parliament. This would include the commencement statutory instrument confirming the legal go-live date for biodiversity net gain. This second package of statutory instruments would be laid before Parliament the week beginning the 15th of January, Powell said. So theoretically by the 19th of January. So we're talking about at the time
0: of recording this week ahead of us for getting the, uh, the actual date of when BNG will go live, which so many people in the planning development sectors have been waiting for. But it looks like the start date has been
1: delayed again. Yes, so on Thursday last week, just three days after the statutory instruments were laid before Parliament, the Times reported that it understood from several sources that the launch of the BNG requirement would be postponed yet again to February. According to the newspaper, the latest hold-up was down to parliamentary delays because of the required secondary legislation being laid late rather than a political attempt to postpone or kill it off. However, wildlife groups expressed concerns about the reported delay. One group I spoke to said this was part of a pattern of missed deadlines on the government's environmental promises, urging the government to step up and find the parliamentary time to pass these statutory instruments and get BNG up and running.
0: Sounds like there's, there's quite a lot of frustration about this, if indeed it, it is going to be delayed. So it's been just to reiterate, it was promised... Back in November, we we're expecting it to be introduced, but the government announced then that they will delay it until January. They didn't give a specific date, so you know, any time by the end of January. But with this, it looks like we're not looking at months delay, but weeks. Is that, is that the right ballpark?
1: That sounds right, yeah. We did ask DEFRA to confirm the report in the times that the regulations would be delayed until next month. The department spokesman said that the government would now press ahead with the next set of legislation with a view to going live as soon as possible, subject to parliamentary timing. Okay, thanks very much for that, Alex.
0: Sam, turning to you, you've covered a very critical review by a local government body of a Unitary Council's planning service. Tell us about what's happened.
2: Yes, so this is the news that the Local Government Association's Planning Advisory Service, or PASS, has concluded its peer review of Thurrock Council in Essex's planning service. The damning review, which PASS said was conducted at an extremely challenging time for the council last autumn, criticised the existence of what it described as a vision vacuum at the authority and made a number of recommendations to improve performance at the council.
0: Okay, so what exactly did this report say?
2: The report found that there was both a vision vacuum and a priorities vacuum at the council, which was compromising the work of the planning service. While it praised the planning officers who were attempting to step up and fill this vacuum, it said that them stepping up was not a realistic solution to the problem and was actually responsible for a perception that the planning service was, um, they described it as being unresponsive. The report also said that there was a heavy over-reliance on the use of extension of time agreements at the authority, um, especially for householder applications and said that while a pre-application service is available, it's currently underutilised. The review team also heard that engagement with case officers can be difficult at times um, and the officers sometimes are not contactable by email and phone. It said that this may be a result of increased home working since COVID, combined with what it said was uh, increased workloads and a pressure of meeting performance targets at the authority. It made a number of key recommendations designed to improve the service, including a suggestion that the authority should urgently recruit a new chief planning officer on a permanent basis. Once appointed, the postholders should implement a restructure of the planning service, Pass said. It also said that the authority should urgently develop some clear strategic priorities and continue to allow sufficient resources to allow for the progression of the local plan to adoption.
0: OK, so it sounds like a very critical report. I'm sure that made um, difficult reading for you know, anyone in the planning department and the uh senior team at Thurrock Council interestingly it touches on quite a few issues that we've we've covered recently obviously the um, resourcing crisis in local authorities and the um, the very low morale we've done a lot on also the over-reliance on extension of time agreements the government announced just before Christmas that they're going to uh, in the words of Michael Gove clamped down on that and also the the issue of home working we've covered um, in the past year um, a survey that found um, that there was concerns that too, there was too much homeworking going on in, in council planning departments and it was um, it was affecting performance. Okay, so how's the council responded to this?
2: So in a statement, Conservative councillor Ben Maney, Cabinet Member for Regeneration and Highways of the Authority, said that the report had identified important issues that need to be addressed as well as strengths within the team and improvements already underway that can be built on. Meanwhile, Councillor Andrew Jefferies, who's also a Conservative and is leader of the Authority said that he had asked officers to draw up an action plan based on the recommendations in this report for consideration by cabinet and councillors and said that this report would be debated by councillors as soon as possible.
0: Well, obviously the council has taking this very seriously and it'll be interesting to see how they um, respond in practice to these recommendations.
2: Yes like you say a lot, a lot to dig into there so one to keep an eye on.
0: Okay Sam well thank you very much for that. So, Toby, you're going to talk about another council that's been facing considerable problems in its planning department, this time that's facing a severe recruitment crisis. Can you enlighten us? Yes. Mid-Devon District Council
3: has revealed that it now has no dedicated planning enforcement staff to handle around 300 planning beaches a year after its last remaining dedicated officer resigned from their role. A report by Director of Place Richard Marsh for a scrutiny meeting on 15th January, said planning enforcement, in quotes, is a difficult area for the authority as it is discretionary. He also said the authority has limited financial means to support the activity and it is difficult to recruit trained and experienced staff owing to a widespread shortage of skilled officers. To stabilise the service, the council has deployed significant amounts of extra funding into the planning enforcement team to support agency staff and a temporarily expanded team of three, Marsh said.
0: Okay, so when did this problem start?
3: Well, the council reverted to employing two full-time enforcement officers in early 2023, Marsh said, owing to financial pressures. But after struggling to recruit a second officer, the council opted to run its enforcement service with one officer on a temporary basis. Subsequently, Marsh said, owing to continued high case volume with enforcement and reducing workload within the main planning service, it was considered appropriate and beneficial to explore how spare planning officer capacity might be used to deal with low risk and low severity matters. Unfortunately, however, our remaining dedicated enforcement officer has now resigned from their role, Marsh reported. His report Failed to explain why the officer resigned, though you would have a suspect that having to deal with such a high number of cases alone might have had something to do with their departure. According to Marsh's report, the council had 281 open enforcement cases in the second quarter of 2023.
0: Gosh, yeah, as you say, that's that's a lot for um, one person to be dealing with. And now they're in a very difficult situation of having... No um, dedicated enforcement officer to deal with all that. I know it's been, a, it's been an issue for quite some time about the under-resourcing of um, enforcement, planning enforcement teams in particular. Um, planning generally has been suffering, but enforcement, I think, has been particularly hard hit because it is a, um, it's a discretionary function. So our listeners may remember that we co- in December, we covered the uh, Mid-Devon Council, revealing that only had one planning enforcement officer And now it's revealed that even this last one has gone. So what's the council doing now about this?
3: Well, Marsh said that for continuity of service, the council is now seeking to employ an agency enforcement officer while conducting a review of resources. But he warned that it might be hard to recruit to the wall as currently structured because it was proving, in his quotes, difficult to recruit experienced and appropriately skilled planning enforcement
0: officers. Okay, so there seems to be an issue there with um, a skills shortage in the sector for um, planning enforcement in particular. I wonder if many other um, of our local authority listeners out there will um, have found this as well. Okay, thanks very much, Toby, for talking us through that. Of course, more details of all those stories can be found on planningresource.co.uk. Now, I'm quickly going to run through five further big planning news stories from the past week. Up first, the government has added a new paragraph to national planning guidance, highlighting the circumstances in which development within the Greenbelt is not inappropriate, including the use of brownfield land. In other policy news, local plan makers should not go beyond government building regulations in setting energy efficiency targets, a housing department minister has said and has also promised an update to national planning guidance to reflect this. Meanwhile, the government is to further revise the national planning policy framework and create new national development management policies to support the development of freeports and investment zones, it has been announced. In the High Court, a former planning officer at Croydon Council has lost a legal challenge against his ex-employer's sign-off of a planning condition relating to the accessibility of a consented housing scheme. This is despite the judge finding that the local authority had made an error of law. And finally, the local government watchdog, the local government ombudsman, has ordered a council to pay £4,450 in compensation to residents who complained about new apartments causing a loss of privacy after the Ombudsman found that the authority had caused frustration and distress in its delayed response and poor communication. As ever, more detail on all these stories can be found on planningresource.co.uk. Well, I think my work here is done. I'll leave you all to carry on sifting through planning news, but I'm going to get out of Room six before there are any more announcements or decisions. Okay, very relieved to be out of there. That's another week summarised. We'll be back next week with another edition of Room 106. In the meantime, if you aren't a subscriber already, don't forget to subscribe wherever you normally get your podcasts. And to get a daily bulletin of planning news plus weekly analysis and specialist bulletins, subscribe at planningresource.co.uk. If you haven't already, don't forget to enter our planning awards and give yourself and your team the opportunity to get the recognition that your work deserves. The deadline for entries is 29th of February. Our thanks to producer Inga Marsden from Haymarket Business Media and Daisy Chaku from Rethink. And thank you very much for listening. See you all next week.